0: My name is Andrew. I get the privilege to sharing the word with you today and uh, welcome to Greater Life Church. If this is your first time, then uh, believe that you're going to have a great time and if you don't, you don't have to come back again. So, um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, we really do appreciate you choosing to worship with us today and it's funny, the greeting, um, Thing that we did uh, this morning, we really probably could do that for like thirty minutes, and no one even know what we're doing. But uh, Eric uh, makes us stop early and get back into the service. So (laughs) anyway, God bless you. Are you ready for the Word? Aren't you thankful that the Word is powerful? It's light exposes things in our lives that need to be exposed. It's life, the dead things in our lives that we need to remove and to take out of our life. The Word has a way to bring us to the knowledge of what those things are. This sermon today could be preached in about 30 seconds, but I want you to get your money's worth, so here we go. Really, because today's message is simply that, the message. Our sermon series is One Church. Last week, we talked about the mission of the church. Today, it's the message of the church. Who better to bring the message of the church to remind us what that message is than the head of the church, Jesus Christ. So there's two simple statements that I'd like to bring to your attention. First of all, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, Jesus speaking for the son of man, speaking of himself, came to seek and save those who are lost. The second passage is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Consider for a moment the simplicity of that message. Church leaders for ever since the beginning of the church, thousands of years, have done good in some cases, but sometimes have done bad in adding and complicating the message that the church is supposed to preach. Seek, save, send. It's pretty simple, right? Jesus wants us to give a gospel That can be understood. Certainly, I can tell you that there are nuances and layers of any number of studies that you could get into. Can I tell you, my experience in Bible college was a great one. But you also need to know that after those years of Bible college, I walked away feeling stupider than I was when I went in. There is something about studying the Word of God that helps you see how much is in here but can i tell you you can talk to someone on the street you can talk to someone who doesn't know jesus and in just a few moments you can help them understand the message that jesus came to seek to save and i'm talking to you today because he sent me right would you pray with me before we get into it lord jesus have your way holy spirit move in our hearts And Lord, for those in here today that do not have a relationship with you, may the primary function of this message be one that invites them to begin that today. May those that have a relationship with you be reminded what the message is all about and how simple it is. Today, God, we acknowledge that it is all about Jesus. Help us. Help me. In Jesus' name. Amen. My wife Kelly is working today. She works for Winget. They're receiving over a thousand students today, so I am here today unsupervised. <laughs> So, if anybody wants to pick up the banner, supervision, good luck to you. I think the Holy Spirit's got me covered, right? Seek, save, send. Jesus seeks, number one. Jesus seeks. And... Luke chapter 15, we see a series of parables that talk about the lost. But let me begin by this word seeks. This phrase Jesus seeks could be misunderstood. Jesus has not misplaced anything. But he lays out these three parables to illustrate the role of the one who seeks and the one who is lost. Let's acknowledge the fact that you know where something is and you still go and seek to be there. You still will pursue that. Maybe it's happened to you, maybe it hasn't, but many times on Sunday afternoon, I forget something. I forget that Chick-fil-A is not open. And as I begin to seek what I will eat for dinner that night, I begin to ask the question, hey, how about some Chick-fil-A, everybody? And I learn very quickly that that is an impossibility. Anybody else ever done that? (laughs) Yeah, y'all are church folks, so okay. (laughs) But Jesus hasn't lost something the way that we say lost. He's not seeking because he left his keys somewhere. Many times when we lose something, we're ask ourselves the question, where was the last place I saw it? As a matter of fact, my wife is very good at this. When I lose something, she says, well, where did you last see it? I said, well, if I knew that. (laughs) My mother did the same thing. Many of you have an experience where someone has asked you that question. No matter what technology comes up with today, There's things you can attach to your stuff now so you don't lose it. There's find your phone and find your keys and find your this and find your that, but we're still losing stuff, right? But Jesus is the one who seeks. So the question might be is where was it lost? Where did it go wrong? Where did the need for Jesus to seek happen? Three words, in the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, (laughs) literally third chapter of the beginning of humanity. The story of humanity, the first two people, already we got a problem. So where was it lost? Well, Jesus, the one who seeks, finds himself. As the Scripture tells us that God came and walked with man in the cool of the evening in the garden So where was it lost? Well, it was lost in the beginning, in the garden, where God comes to see Adam and to walk with them, Adam and Eve, in the cool of the evening. And when God comes to see them, something happens. That is where it was lost. You see, they chose to eat of the tree that they were forbidden to eat of. Why must Jesus seek? Because there is something that is lost. It is us in our sin. God asked the question, who told you that you are naked? As they were trying to cover themselves and they were ashamed. You see, the sin had already taken hold and brought shame in their life. How many times do we hide from God? because of our shame, when in reality he is the only one that we can run to. Why did Jesus have to seek? Because we are lost. There was no sin before humanity. God made perfect creation. Yet humanity had lost their way. They had lost their relationship. Jesus came upon this earth to remedy that, to restore a relationship with us and the Father in heaven. These three parables lay out what Jesus seeks and how the one who seeks and the one who is lost play different roles. First of all, Luke chapter 15 Verse 3 through 7, we find the lost sheep. It'll be on the screen. The lost sheep. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over the one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You know, in my early, in my teenage years, I used to have this little ting of jealousy at this passage of Scripture, And I thought to myself, well, there's so much celebration for the one that is lost and then found, then maybe I can wander and be found and have a party. You see, one thing you need to know about me is I like attention. So as a teenager, if I go over here and then maybe I said, oh, well, I shouldn't have been over there. Here I come. But you, you, oddly enough, my parents didn't have that sense of celebration. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have been over there in the first place. But at the end of the day, the lost sheep, and sheep are used in Scripture all the time as an illustration. One of the things that we know about sheep is they're not the smartest animals but the 99 were smart enough to stay with the shepherd. But there was one. And how many of you guys would probably admit today that if I asked you, you know who that one might be in your own life? Maybe it's even you. That felt like for they, they could figure it out on their own. I know God wants me to do it this way, but man, I, I, I'm gonna do it this way. I'm gonna try my way. Can I tell you, Trying it my way is only going to lead to pain and suffering. Because the shepherd is the safest place to be. The great shepherd leaves, it says, I want to draw your attention to something that I believe the Lord is saying in this lost sheep passage. I believe that the Lord wants us to see the heart of God. Hear me. After the nation of Israel one of the most heartbreaking modern issues today that the scripture talks about all the time is that the nation of Israel which is the nation of the covenant with God refuses to accept Jesus by and large as the savior Now, there's the exception to those rules, messianic Jews, completed Jews, whatever you want to use as far as terminology. But at the end of the day, Jesus is talking to a bunch of Israelites, religious leaders. The sheep wandered away. They were once in relationship with the shepherd, yet they wandered away. Humanity had an intimate relationship with God in the garden. They walked away from him. But the great shepherd came to the garden to seek the wanderer. He came down to earth to make way for the one that was lost. The Bible uses Adam as the picture of a human condition, lost condition. The shepherd alone went to recover the sheep that was lost. I I want us to wrap our head around the fact that Jesus, fully God, fully man, Jesus, the word made flesh, Jesus, the creator of it all, put on flesh and left heaven to seek the lost. There's a, there's a, I think a bad teaching that goes around that God somehow needs us. I, I don't think God needs us. But I think God loves us because he chooses to. We, we don't complete him. It's not a Jerry Maguire type of thing. You complete me. He doesn't need us but he loves us anyway. See, to me, that makes me more thankful than I was before. That <laughs> he don't need me or anything I got to offer, but he loves me anyway. He doesn't only allow me to live, but he's gonna allow me to live in eternity with him because I've chosen salvation. Jesus, the great shepherd, <laughs> came to seek the lost sheep. And you and I, as Believers, or even in this room, potentially unbelievers, that we are grafted into that nation of Israel. We can be a part of the covenant relationship with God. Secondly, the lost coin Jesus talks about Luke chapter 15, verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one, won't she? Light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and her neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I've found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Catch this. The church uses a woman as a symbol, an illustration, a picture Uh, the Bible uses a woman as a picture of the church, bride of Christ. So maybe in this passage, as Jesus is saying three different things in these different ways, maybe this passage is what we're called to do, to seek the lost coin. The lost coin is a coin. The coin doesn't know it's lost. You with me? One of the things the church does really good at It's helping people know where they get it wrong. That's an abomination. That that is evil in the sight of God. You you are not worthy. You you, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be voting for that. You shouldn't be doing these things. You, You are lost. But then we fail to offer the solution. Can I tell you? Sometimes we don't fail to offer the solution. We don't have any opportunity to offer the solution because we messed up with telling them how lost they are on the front end. You see, my heart has been dealt with this week because I've I found that I would be more frustrated with people that are lost because they're lost. What's the matter with them? How could they be so stupid? to have that surgery, or to make that choice, or to do that thing, or to live that way. And then you read of the news articles, and the problems, and the issues, and the disease, and the pestilence, and all these things that are happening, happening to the lost. You read about all of it, and I sit there, and I think, well, well what do you think would happen if you did that? I know none of y'all feel that way. but God dealt with me. The religious leaders find a woman caught in adultery and they drag her out and throw her at the feet of Jesus. With stones in one hand, they're ready to kill her for her sin. And you see, the Holy Spirit helped me see the. You might be the one holding the stone, but you really should be the one kneeling beside the lost and helping them see that there's a way now to be found. We can't give them just half of the gospel. You're lost. Jesus came to seek even the one who doesn't know they're lost. Church, can we be the one that does what this woman did in this illustration? What did she do? She lit a a lamp. I need to find this lost one. What do I do? I need the light. Who is the light? Jesus is the light. Because the light begins to expose the most hidden places. The light begins to help us see what we can't see on our own. Can I tell you that we are the help that God is calling into this equation? The light is Jesus, but you and I can and should care for the lost. If we don't care for the lost, then who will? Well, Jesus will Jesus reach them. How about Jesus use the body, his body, to do the reaching? Thirdly, we find a parable of the lost son. Jesus seeks the lost son. One of the things that I'm amazed with is that you don't ever find Jesus begging anybody to do anything. He he offers the answers. He offers the solutions. He offers the invitation. But he, he doesn't beg. And so we find this parable of the lost son. The Bible calls it the prodigal son. And so we see the son going to his father in Luke chapter 15 and say, give me my stuff. I wanna go live my life. He gets his inheritance and the Bible tells us that he squanders it. He lives the high life. Can, Can I just give a side note for just a moment? Why is it even a saying in our nation to live the high life? Because the high life in this, you know what that means. It's a life of debauchery and sin, and yet we call it the high life. We we know what that means. He goes out there and he chooses to sin. He chooses to live his life fast and loose, and he finds himself in a pig pen. Here's the thing: when he's in the pig pen, is when the Bible says he came to his senses. I love this because sometimes we pray for people that we're we're passionate about we know they're lost we know they're they're wandered away from God we know they don't have a relationship with God and sometimes sometimes we'll pray in this context it's the one who knows what's right but doesn't do it we pray that God open their eyes can I tell you that their eyes are open and they're still choosing to be rebellious to God So maybe our prayer can be, God, bring them to their senses, whatever it takes. Oh, Lord, please don't let anything bad happen in their life, but let them come to you. Can I tell you that God may be the one allowing things to take place, that they come to a spot where they look around and say, what have I done? Why am I living this way? They come to their spiritual senses. And what happens? The son went home to his father. And instead of the father looking at him from a distance and saying, you're not welcome here. You can't come back. The father runs to meet him. You see, Jesus seeks the lost sheep, the one that has wandered away yet used to be apart, the lost coin, the one that is lost yet doesn't even know it, and the lost son that caused a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of trouble and wasted a whole lot of money and hurt a whole lot of people, yet still, when they turn to come back to the Father, the Father welcomes the Son. It's our tendency, it is, as people, that they've caused too much damage, I hope I never see them again. That that, that sometimes is our temptation but can I tell you that you've been saved by grace through faith? And who are you to say that? <laughs> Had not God reached down and saved your soul, how much pain and suffering you may have caused. This is a heavy message, preacher. Yes, it is. But the message of the gospel is life and death. Eternity. Secondly, Jesus saves. I love the, uh, there's another passage, I believe it's in Matthew, in the same uh, scripture, and yet it adds this, this term for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who know they are lost. Those who know they are lost. So let's establish that for just a minute. See, Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost, and even those that know they are lost. The lost has a category. It looks like this going to hell. They all have the same location for eternity. And it should bother us, church. Because if it doesn't, then what are we even doing? We put on our little flannel shirts and our color matching shoes. And, and, and it's always been this way as long as I've been a part of the church. I'm a PK, so it's always been this way. There's always been this sense of people can only get saved at church, which people do. But what if every week we had a testimony? Have I led three people to Christ this week, Pastor? I led one person to Christ this week, Pastor. I prayed for somebody. They received healing, Pastor. You wouldn't believe who I ran into. They were lost and they didn't even know it, but I told them that Jesus came to seek and to save and and that he sent me to talk to them. You see, because Jesus saves. The first step in our journey with Jesus is knowing we need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Romans 6.23 says this. Coming up on the screen. For the wages of sin is death, uh, but the free gift of God is eternal through Christ Jesus our Lord. Saves us from sin. Sir Isaac Newton's third law of energy was simple. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. This can be described better for us by saying that every choice that leads to action brings consequence or blessing from that action. When we choose sin, there's a reaction that brings pain. It brings distance from God, and ultimately it will bring death and eternal punishment. This is something that we need to be saved from. All of us would have been dead in our sin had not Jesus died upon a cross in our place. Jesus saves us from sickness. There's a saying that I read recently that all sickness is a little death. All sickness is a little death. You see, before sin entered the world, there was no sickness. There's another uh, saying that I believe it was John G. Lake who was a healing evangelist said that every miracle needs another miracle. So what that means is God may heal your body today, but you're gonna get sick again. But there's coming a time. There's coming a time that we realize that Jesus saves from sickness for all eternity. That this broken, busted up body will be replaced with a glorified body, and we live forever with Him healthy. Not gaining weight. I'm just throwing that extra one in there for you. <laughs> You see, sin brings brokenness to our bodies, and I believe that God does heal today, but I believe that Jesus came to save us from not only for, for eternity, but also the pain in this life. I also believe that salvation has implications, not in, just in heaven, but here today. Finally, Romans chapter 12 lays out what Jesus saves us from, and that's called slavery slavery to sin. Romans chapter six, verse 12. Get ready, this is powerful, it preaches for itself. Verse 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law, instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. But you realize that you have become that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching which we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Slavery speaks of ownership. Now, in our nation, we really messed this one up, didn't we? But this is something that's been around since the beginning of humanity. And in the beginning of humanity, the one that was stronger would enslave the one that was weaker. Listen to me. Listen to me close. The one who would come and conquer the nation would put that other nation in shackles and say, now I own you. You are a slave to me. And what we're doing by sinning and continuing to sin is we're saying, devil, you own me. Who would choose that? I want to be bought with a price. I want to be a subject of the one true God. I want him to be in charge of my life as he delegates and instructs and leads and guides. Can I tell you, he's a gracious and a loving God. I don't wanna live in slavery to anything else or in ownership to anything else, but I am okay saying that I am owned and bought and, and God is my source, amen? He is a gracious God. I love how Paul says it, don't you realize you're a slave to whatever you obey? Some of us have spent the past couple of years being slaves to the wrong things. Thank you, Lord. Jesus sins, he sends the word. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. Jesus is the word sent by the Father. Here's what the scripture says. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Thank God for that. I'm just going to stop right there. Thank God for that. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Can I just tell you, almost every week I sit in my office and I think about how God has orchestrated everything that's happening in this ministry. And I go, what? because if he would have shown me too much, I would have messed it up. (laughs) For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If you felt like you were smarter for just a moment, his ways are as far away better as heaven is from the earth. And guess what? It's immeasurable. Next passage. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and the bread for the hungry. God is saying, I did all this. You can trust me with what you're facing. Come on. It is the same with my word. Here it goes. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Can I tell you why we are committed to using this book? Because it accomplishes what God wants it to accomplish. Anybody could stand up here and preach the word and see fruit from it. Amen? It is the word of God that brings forth change. And harvest. Jesus gives us the word to share, to accomplish, and to be sent by us when we quote it, when we share it, when we study it. It is sent to free the captive and soften the hard heart. It is sent to grow us in relationship with the Lord. The only time we don't see the word doing what the word should be doing is when the word is not used the way the word should be used. We take little verses out of context. And we say, well, this is what that means. No, it's not. Well, well, Jesus didn't talk about homosexuality. Um, Excuse me. Let me remind you that Jesus is the word. And if it's in the word, then it's been discussed. Amen? It makes it clear. There is a better way. There is a right way. There is a God kind of way for us to live. Jesus seeks He saves and he sins. He does not need your help with your own opinions. The gospel is powerful enough. Jesus sends the disciples. Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10, there's two instances where Jesus sends the disciples out. Twelve in one case and 72 in another. But both have this in common. He sends them out with authority. He says, you're gonna go in my authority and you have the authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And then they run back. When they get back, Jesus, you're not gonna believe it. Everything you said, we did. (laughs) Told you. I gave you the authority. But he also told them this and I want you to hear this, people. He said, there will be some that accept you and bless you and then there'll be others that reject you. And so what he said is those that accept you, then enjoy that. Those that reject reject you, beg them to accept you. Did he say that? No. Those that reject you, move on. Amen? My Bible says that he's the God of the harvest. You know what that means? That means it's up to him who's gonna respond and who's not. It's up to us just to be obedient to share the gospel. Finally, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 says that Jesus is the one who had baptized with fire and with the Holy Spirit. This is the reason why we pray to receive the Holy Spirit. We are reminded that it is only by the work of Jesus we have access to the infilling and abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must be encouraged today that while Jesus is sending us into the world, we are not alone. We have the power of the living God residing in in us. The Holy Spirit, our advocate, our helper, our enabler to do great and mighty things. Three years ago, we had our first Sunday in this building. The first message that we preached was Jesus Saves, because that is the message. It's simple. Here's what I want you to know. Here's the question. Do you have a relationship with God? If immediately there's a yes within your spirit, then awesome. There's two other answers that you might have in your mind right now. One, I don't know. The other, no. Can I tell you that I don't know and no are the same answer? Because if you don't know if you have a relationship with God, then you don't have a relationship with God. Somebody in here is going to be changed for eternity. Come on. I know it. I believe it. I have prayed for it. I just want to share this with you. For the past two Sundays, we've given an invitation. And after each service, I've found someone after the service that said, You were talking to me, Pastor, and I didn't move. So I'm just sharing with you. Be obedient to what the Lord says. Because He wants to do something in your life. But He may use your faith. Your act of humility to come forward. To build the faith of another. It's hard to make that response. The prayer team's gonna come and be in place and I wanna go back to that question, do you have a relationship with God? Pastor Anthony and Sheila right here. Ben and Grace right here. Victor Linda right here. Do you have a relationship with God? If it's a yes, awesome it's a, I don't know, or if it's a no, then here's the opportunity. <laughs> the word altar call is this phrase in church life that if you've been around church at all, then you know altar call is what happens at the end of the service where this happens. But can I just explain what that is? altar is a place of surrender and sacrifice. That's what the altar is. Call is invitation. Jesus would go through and he called to his disciples, Hey, follow me. And you know what Jesus would do? He'd keep moving. So the choice was follow him or miss it, follow him or miss it, follow him or miss it. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond to an invitation. Not my invitation, his invitation. We talked about the sheep that wandered away. We talked about the coin that was lost and didn't even know it. We talked about the son that came to his senses. I don't know where you are if you need to respond today, but maybe you had a decision, maybe you followed the Lord for a season and now you're not. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Well, today's the day of salvation. If you answered yes to that question, if you have a relationship to God, then that means you're a believer and you trust the Lord with your eternity. I'm going to ask you to be the one who is sent. That when I call for this invitation, I'm going to ask you to turn maybe to the right or to your left and say, Hey, I'll walk with you if you want me to. Hey, would you like to go? I'll go with you. Can I tell you that this lady over here on my right, Sue, I believe, shared with Linda in between the services that she remembers when she came to Christ that somebody leaned over and said, I'll walk with you if you want me to. And now she's standing up here getting ready to pray with somebody else. Hmm. You could be the one to encourage that lost one. No, that's not me, Pastor. It's probably you if you're thinking that. Pastor, I've got, I'm okay. I'll deal with it when I get home. No, you won't. Because there's power in agreement. These precious people up here are gonna agree in prayer with you. And guess what? There's a relationship that's gonna be established and somebody that cares enough to walk this out with you is gonna be involved. So that's the invitation. Church family, we're gonna go into worship and we're gonna stand in just, just a moment. I'm gonna pray. When we stand... When we stand, that's the moment when you respond. Will you respond to the invitation to receive the Lord Jesus, to commit your life to him for the rest of your days? Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, we're pondering in our hearts this decision and where we stand. And I pray that right now that you would soften the heart that may be hard, that you would give boldness to the one that may be timid knowing that Lord, you and you alone can save right now Holy Spirit, I give you a moment to seek the one that is lost stir the heart draw them in Thank you, Jesus, for what you're about to do. Amen. Would you stand and sing? Come forward if you're responding today to this invitation. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. You're responding to this invitation. Come on. Come on, sing. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Come on, church. Faithfulness is what I need. Hallelujah. Come on, worship the Lord. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you need. Come on, sing. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. I pray, God, that you would have your way in our hearts, in our lives. Thank you for the response. And God, may you be with us. May you send us to the one that's lost. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.